At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Number two of Visa's Primetime Action live from the South Point. Gil Alexander, Matt Brown, Daniel Alvari, Kelly Bidlin. How you doing tonight? Glad you could uh, stick with us. Watching some baseball scores, thinking about getting in on some bets, although not really hard. I'm not really getting the impression from anybody that we're looking at anything particular. Is there a uh, is there a total play, an underplay to be made in this Dodgers-Phillies game? It's one consideration. We'll get the update for all the scores right now from Kelly, though. Yeah, we got uh, Angels in Blue Jays. That game is the furthest along right now. Angels up 4-1 to in the bottom of the fifth. That Dodgers-Phillies game scoreless. So uh, live total 5.5, Gil, if that maybe, uh, maybe uh, tickles mm. your fancy a little bit. Who knows? Dodgers minus 140 live. Phillies plus 110. The uh, Cardinals up on the Pirates. 2 to nothing. top of the fourth. Cardinals minus 300 live favorite. Pirates plus 247.5 the live total. Athletics and Indians all tied up at one in the bottom of the second. Indians minus 145 live. A's plus 115. 10.5 is the total. Nationals and Mets are in a rain delay as well as the Tigers-Orioles. Tigers-Orioles never even got started. Uh, Nationals up 3-1 to one on the Mets. That came in a delay right now. The Rays and Red Sox, 1-1 one, one top of the fourth. Red Sox minus 140 live. Rays plus 110 and 8.5 and the total there in Boston. Uh, the Reds with 2 nothing lead over the Braves, top of the third inning. Reds minus 200 live. Braves plus 165, 8.5 total there. Okay. Still, uh, we have some first pitches still to come, as we talked about a little bit earlier. Uh, Brewers-Cubs, you can get minus 145 on the Brewers if you want the favorite there, plus 125 on the Cub Dog. If you want the White Sox over the Twins, they are minus 150 favorites with Dallas Keuchel on the Hill. John Gray in the Rockies versus Jake Odorizzi in the Astros. Astros minus 180 favorites. Nestor Cortez in the Yankees, minus 150 favorites over Daniel Lynch. And the Royals and uh, one, two, three, four more first pitches coming a little bit later. Gil, if you had a ticket in Cincinnati, um, we were talking about this with the stuff that was going on in this past week in D.C. Um, yeah, well, here we go again. So Serena and Venus have both pulled out, as have Sophia Kennan from Cincinnati as well. So all these people who buy – in these tennis tournaments, don't buy er- tickets early from don't here Don't buy on. tickets yeah, early. Yeah, don't buy tickets early. Nadal uh, yeah. Nadal with an early exit anyway from D.C. Mm-hmm. But uh, Nadal has pulled out of Toronto's tournament, the Rogers Open this week. Uh, lingering injuries, he says. Djokovic has already said he's out of mm-hmm. all uh, tournaments, meaning – here in Canada, in Toronto, and of course they used Cincinnati to all play next the week. Cincinnati tournament. This is crazy. They're all pulling out. Oh, of this, this is going yeah. to be a. This is a very strange run up to the U.S. Open. Plus, the, the first two days of the Lady Side of the Rogers Open in Montreal, there've had, there's been four walkovers already. So what that means again for those who are not uh, down with tennis is mid match someone just retires and says, "I'm good." <laughs> You got it. So sometimes by injury, it's always it's always injury, whether it's in reality an injury or not. 
we leave to your speculation. But is this uh, is this it for Serena and Venus? You think they both just say thanks at the end of this? I think Venus would be more okay with that. I, I don't know. Serena really, she's trying to get that twenty fourth Grand Slam singles title, which is the 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 legendary Margaret Court. Quite a legend, maybe to you, not to me, but the legendary Margaret Court, as they always refer to her. She has twenty four, and Serena's stuck on twenty three, and. Yeah, that's the thing is that Wimbledon and the U.S. Open are the two most likely slams for her to win. Getting knocked out of Wimbledon, remember she slipped and fell on the baseline and then couldn't continue. That was a super disappointment for her. So I don't know. I don't know. But, I mean, you know, she's a a mom now. She's got other life interests. Super rich. That that is true. Both of them, by the way. Both of them super rich. Yeah. Yeah. Money not a factor. Yes. I mean, yeah. Gil, I, I know I know what a walkover is, but I got to be honest. Every time I hear it, I still just think Allen Iverson stepping over Ty Lynn. Ty Lynn. I, I don't know why. But like, that's it. the walkover so, to me. So what you're suggesting is that much like in rocks paper scissors, where some people actually carry out the action, <laughs> that in a walkover, one of the players should actually <laughs> walk over. One has to lay down defeated, I and, see. and the other one walks over. I'm like, they're Allen Iverson. Yes, that's what should happen. That so if you awesome. yes, if you decide to if you decide to to forfeit a match. You should at least have to walk out on the court and let the person walk over the yeah, court. That's what we're saying. Yeah. I think I, that's the I, yeah. like, to shame them just a tad. Just to shame them. Or yeah. you lay your racket down respectfully in front of them and they walk over your racket. <laughs> but walk over. Uh, what is wrong with us? I think it's a fabulous idea, quite frankly. We're, we're, we're fixing sports. We are fixing here. sports. Look, you, we saw the Olympic ratings. By the way, I feel very vindicated here. Oh, wait Nobody a minute. cares about the Olympics. Kill Alexander, Matt Brown, Daniel Alvari, and Kelly Bidlin. Do tell, what were the Olympic? Were they bad? It worse in decades, it said. In decades? Yes. In decades. Did they blame that on the splintering of all the sports? It's, it's everything we said last night. They blame it on the, t- the, on the time I blame difference. Peacock. They blame it on all the different networks <laughs> carrying it, the streaming services, people not knowing where to find stuff. I mean, don't get me wrong. Every Olympics, the ratings are vastly different depending on where it is in the world. Because of we talked about that last night where you can just get – so many more live events, even if it's just, if it's in Europe, you're getting way more than what you would get in Japan, right? So it's, that, like, that changes. I worked at NBC affiliate for eight years. Like, that, that is a thing you see every Olympics. It really depends on how close they are to the U.S. time zones, really. But, I, I mean, I think, the, I think the network stuff this year was a big deal. It was. That was the most frequent complaint from people. Just can't find it. Where, where's the basketball game? USA men's basketball, you can't find until the championship game. You're like, where? It's not It's not on rate. It's on streaming? What? It wasn't even, like, easy to DVR or anything like that. Like, you couldn't be like, okay, right. here's where it is. I'm going to record it, and I can just watch it on my DVR. Like, you, it wasn't even – it that, was hard to find. That's a great point, too, because that is what, you know, there, there are – they can track that to some degree also. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if that's not part of the I game. I also think that every every couple years we get more we get more sick of tape-delayed stuff. And Olympics is something that's always – been tape delayed for prime time later in the evening and it will it'll probably be the last sporting event that ever has like any kind of tape delayed action you, at all but that's you need to see horse dancing live for it to be cool for you say it, is that what it is say it, like, i don't know we're better so really like, i don't like yeah. i mean like come on there's that what you don't have to see any you have to see basketball live that's it you don't care about any of the other stuff but i would like, live tweet if dressage. i cared about the sport i would want to see it live yeah. I would live tweet dressage. <laughs> just like That'd every, be a fun shared experience. Every, you know, talking about DVR and something like, what is she gonna? What are you DVRing to watch back <laughs> later? You're not watching any of this stuff 
later, it is always just background noise on the TV. I'm you guys are so full of it, man. This is, this is y'all are so full of it, man. This that is background noise. The Olympics is background noise. I, no, Matt, it, it it is for the main part to me. What my point though is, like with USA basketball, that I actually cared to watch. Like if you cared about the sport, you want to watch it live. If it happened during football season, we wouldn't even we wouldn't even talk about it. Of course, you wouldn't, wouldn't talk it. about it. No, during football we wouldn't talk. <laughs> we wouldn't about it. Thing. You're right. No. Like football we. Yeah, wouldn't even be a thing. We'd be like an hour, we, we, a minute we, with Danielle in the Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> Danielle, how are the Olympics going? Good. We should be like, like horse dancing was fun on my DVR. I DVR horse dancing. My, my amusement with all this is is Matt's refusal to say dressage and then Danielle's insistence on saying it afterwards. Oh, I, I, I have to do that. I mean, it's a fun word. Come on, dressage. Dressage. Love it. All right, which brings us to oh, a sport that we all love. What we got, Danielle? Time. 32 teams in 32 shows. It's time for a Bay Area team here. Gil used to live there. I'm from there. Should be an exciting discussion here. Let's recap their 49ers 2020 uh, season here. So they finished 6-10, last in the NFC West, and missed the playoffs after making it to the Super Bowl the previous season. Now, remember, decimated by injuries last season, so something to keep in mind there. When the season ended, they had a league-high 18 players on the IR. Combined, the players missed 161.5 games due to injuries. Nick Mullins started eight games at quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo started six, and C.J. Beathard started two. The defense gave up the 16th most points, the fifth fewest total yards, the fourth fewest passing yards, and the seventh fewest rushing yards, and had the sixth fewest penalties with 79. Matt, how's that going to look different this year? Worst ratings in decades. You, you, here's the thing. Here's the thing, Gil. Oh, you mean people don't care about synchronized this is like diving? A new segment, dude. Like synchronized teams, diving. Shows. People don't care about it. Like that's, that blows me away. I cannot believe people don't care about synchronized diving. He won't follow the cues. I just can't. I just can't do it. <laughs> I care. I care uh, about synchronized diving. Yeah. I mean, it just blows me away that no one cares about it. It's it's crazy. It's uh, unbelievable. Uh, all right, San can Francisco I, 49ers. Can I say yes. that I've been looking forward to you talking about the Niners almost as much as any team because okay. I know how. You feel about this? Yes, team. I am. I'm. I'm a little, okay. We'll. We'll. Yes. So anyway, Mike McDaniel takes over as offensive coordinator. D'Amico Ryan takes over as defensive coordinator for this 49ers team. They re-signed Trent Williams, paid him the most expensive uh, offensive lineman in the league. They signed center Alex Mack as well to bring in and and play center for those guys. Listen, linebacker Sam uh, Ibukam is going to. Uh, he's going to start on the end. He looks like he's going to be one of the edge rushers for them. Defensive tackle DJ. Jones gives him some depth on the line. They brought in uh, Muhammad Sanu, who right now is slated to be a slot receiver for them, but we'll see how that all plays out over the course of training camp here. Of course, the big news was the drafting of quarterback Trey Lance in the first round, trading up to get Trey Lance in the first round. They took guard and Aaron Banks in the second round. They took Trey Sermon, a running back, in the third round. They took a cornerback in the third round. They didn't have a fourth-round pick. They get to the fifth round. They took another offensive line, another corner, and then a safety in the fifth round. As well, ESPN says that they have the 11th most talented roster heading into 2021. And if you kind of look at what they what they have, just just on paper, it actually is. It's a it is a pretty talented roster on both sides of the ball. Like I don't think it jumps off the page on both sides of the ball, but I think it is certainly one of the upper tier, you know, on both sides of the ball. Football Outsiders had them as the 20th ranked DVOA offense last year, sixth defense. In 2020, that but let's let's a reminder. Garoppolo started six games. 
Nick Mullins started eight games, and then C.J. Beathard started two games. So when you look at the 20th-rated offense DVOA, you are talking about only six games from Jimmy Garoppolo, eight games of Nick Mullins, and then two games of C.J. Beathard with this team. So quarterback position was obviously a, a, a pretty big mess for them last year. Football Outsiders has them as a mean projection of 9.7 wins, which as you, if you're looking at their team total, that would be under their season win total that is listed right now. They have them as a playoff contender 41.2% of the time. We talked about their metric for playoff contender is 9 to 11 wins, kind of in that 9 to 11 win window. So they have them hitting that 41.2% of the time. They have them winning the Super Bowl 4.4%. Of the time over at Sharp Football, this is one of the things that we're going to, you know, that that could get them there. Though is they have the easiest schedule in all the NFL. So, and it's not only the easiest schedule in all the NFL; it's the easiest schedule in the NFL by a lot. Actually, um, they are way, way, way. And again, this is calculated off of projected wins against their opponents over the course of the 2021 season. And when you look at when you look up and down of their schedule, yeah, it's a tough division. But then outside of the division schedule, they are. They got a pretty good one here, Gil, as you can see right now. I mean, outside of the division games, which we know, yes, will be tough. There are some really big cupcakes on there for some of the non-conference and I mean, and and non-division games. Yeah. And and it starts at the Lions and at the Eagles. Uh, And then they get the two more difficult teams at home in the early stretch, the Packers and the Seahawks, followed by at Cardinals. So by the bye week, which they have in week six, which is earlier than you really wanted, Mm -hmm. quite frankly. But, I mean, what's a disappointment? I would think three and two is about as low as – they would almost be disappointed with a three and two. I think for sure. Yeah. I mean, you're talking You're talking their – so what, their two toughest non-divisional games are at home with what, the Packers and Vikings, I guess, and then you can – I guess Titans you could throw in there too. They are on the road for that game near the end of the year, but – you're talking. It's amazing, actually, looking at the schedule because it is out. The division's yeah. brutal. Well, you're, so you're you're catching the Colts now after the injuries with, with with the Colts. You're catching the Bears earlier on in the season. So even if Fields has taken over, he he's only going to have two or three games under his belt by then. You get the Jags, you get the Bengals, you get the Falcons, you get the Texans. I mean, like it is it is the lowliest of the lowly that they are going to get in these kind of non divisional games for the San Francisco team. And so that would be the one thing that would get you to kind of that projected win total sitting there at 10 and a half. Um, Warren Sharp over at Sharp Football has them projected right on the number. He has them at 10 and a half wins. Um, You can see that the over actually sitting at plus money right now. Over at Pro Football Focus, they have this as the ninth-rated power-ranked team heading in to 2021, but their projection, and again, how they do this is they simulate the season 10,000 times, take an average of how it comes out 10,000 times, only came out to 8.8 wins for them. And I think what happens with these teams in this division is probably in those simulations, they just beat up on each other so incredibly much that that it comes out a little bit lower. But yes, uh, 8.8 wins for this team. The offensive line, Ninth in the NFL, entering 2021, as we mentioned, Trent Williams highest paid, uh, was the highest-graded tackle in the NFL in 2020. They paid him like that. Mike McGlinchey on the right side, one of the best run-blocking tackles in football. He graded out as a 91.3 on the run-blocking side last season. He could improve a little bit on his pass blocking, but again, he plays on the right side. And Trent Williams is over there on the left side. He's still very, very good. Left guard, Lincoln Tomlinson, is, is coming off his best season 
ever. He's another one of those offensive linemen. A really, really good run blocker, just a beast in the run blocking game. And as you can see, this 49ers team has been wildly successful running the ball the last couple of seasons. Alex Mack will be there, as we mentioned, signed him as a free agent. Now, he's going to be 36 this year, and so definitely on the downside of his career, but still a guy that is going to produce at certainly above a replacement level type thing. So, I mean, he's going to be better than your average player out there. But, again, at 36, Alex Mack been around the block a while, um, probably – Only a couple seasons left for him. The defensive line, another strength for this team if they can stay healthy. Um, We're rating this team off of the the thought that they're going to be healthy, so ninth rated headed into the season because you get Nick Bosa and D. Ford back from injury to pair with Eric Armstead for a pretty ferocious pass rush should that play out. I mean, should these guys continue to be able to stay healthy over the course of the season? The problem is it just hasn't really played out that way for them. Uh, Javon Kinlaw on the inside, he was actually pretty bad last year, but that might be more of a product of the situation than the actual player himself, like not really having a lot of help on that line because of all those injuries, and he was getting a lot of attention. So um, I'm going to look at that more as a little bit of an aberration for him because he has been a pretty solid player over the course of his career. I think this defensive, uh, the real question mark really is going to come you know, in the secondary for this team. They're going to in a division that they're in that we expect to be one of the better, if not the best and most competitive divisions in all the league with as much talent as these teams have, not only at the quarterback position, but at the wide receiver position, are they going to be able to to, to cover? And can Nick Bosa and D Ford stay healthy enough to where they're going to be able to get some pressure on those really, you know, those stud quarterbacks that are in this division? I mean, they are going to be playing Kyler Murray twice. They're going to be playing Matt Stafford twice. They're going to play Russell Wilson twice. So, I mean, six games against three very above average, if not elite quarterbacks, if you want to kind of put Russell Wilson and Matthew Stafford in that conversation. So um, if you look at Kyle Shanahan, you start to break this down, Gil, and everyone just talks, oh, Kyle Shanahan and Kyle Shanahan's offense and you know this magician and all this stuff. And so I, I went and, and you look. Now, this is DVOA, and, and that's not the end-all, be-all to everything, but you know I trust these guys, and certainly these guys with their advanced metrics know more than I do. Kyle Shanahan has only produced a top-10 offense, Three times in the last 10 seasons. Is that right? Yeah. Three times has he had a top 10 offense in the last 10 seasons. And so you, as much as we like look at this guy as this offensive guru and this guy that's like this, this crazy good, you know, play caller and all this stuff, only three times. And, you know, once with RG3, once with Matt Ryan, oh. and then once with Jimmy Garoppolo. I was going to say, that yeah. must extend all the way back to 2012 yeah. and yeah. the great rookie season of RG3. It was. It was it was the, the RG3 season, one season with Matt Ryan, and then, uh, wow, there you go, Gil. My, I got my Doppler out, and there's the rain in Philly. Yeah, tarp yeah. is on the field. That is coming on down there. Yeah, so you, you look at this, and you say, like, okay, if if this is if, if he's not really maybe this this guru and he's not really this guy that's like this unbelievable offensive mind or something like that, like wouldn't it even make more sense to go with a Trey Lance than it would a Jimmy Garoppolo to add a completely new element to the offense to get back to like you're saying the heyday when he had when he had RG three. So the beauty of Kyle Shanahan is that he's been able to to conform his X's and O's to the type of quarterback that he has. I think that's the greatest compliment you could say of any coach. That was like Joe Gibbs' greatest mm-hmm. thing, winning three Super Bowls with three different types of quarterbacks. Not nearly as stark in contrast as the ones that Kyle Shanahan has had, by the way, where football's a totally different game, a lot more uh, of running quarterbacks involved. 
I just think from a betting truth serum standpoint, which I always like to tell, like, you know, I was mentioning to Spora this morning, if, if I'm on the team in extra innings that's, uh, you know, that's the road team and they don't score, I definitely don't want the home team bunting. That's how right. I know that's the right move. I We haven't seen Trey Lance, but there's nothing about Jimmy G that terrifies you. No. And so to have to prepare for a guy that's multidimensional, if he is as good as they're saying, yeah, yeah, that would sound like it's the right move. And and to kind of get back to to if and here's the thing, I'm not completely saying like I said that the, the, these DBOA grades are like the the end all be all for anything like that. And I, I I do think Kyle Shanahan's a good coach. I mean that's not what I'm trying to say here, but I'm just saying if you look at the raw, just look at the numbers, only had a top ten offense three times in the last ten year in the last ten seasons. Well. You get back to that magical year, like you're talking about with with, with RG3. And yes, I understand that a decade ago, what RG3 was doing in the NFL was completely different from anything that we. It's almost. I'm not gonna say it's commonplace now, but we got mobile quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like, that's a thing. But with a guy like with with a, with a guy like Trey Lance and what he brings to the table and what you, if you are this creative offensive mind in this in this offensive guru. What that allows you to do with your play calling, what that allows you to do as an offense, opens things up so incredibly much that that's why I think the more I hear these rumblings coming out, and, and you posed the question in the first hour of, do we honestly think it's a possibility that Jimmy G doesn't start game one? No. I think it is a possibility. I definitely think it is a possibility. I, I think that's an absolute possibility. I was more interested if, if mm-hmm. you think the, the, the situation in New England is a possibility with Mac Jones. That you know what the best bet I've seen on the board and all these ones we've been flashing up to the the, the stage of elimination for the Niners mm-hmm. plus money in the wild card round plus money in the division round. I know you think there's a possibility they won't make the playoffs, mm-hmm. but I think if I bet those two plus two ninety and plus three fifty, those are the two bets I want on the Niners, and I'll just sit back and watch them get to the playoffs. Because I don't think they're a threat to get to the championship game. I don't. The skill put look, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel. We still haven't even seen Jalen Hurd step on the field, right? I mean, they've been drafted two years ago. The guy hasn't even played a down yet, right? I mean, so like they've got the talent. Of course, George Kittle, one of the most talented guys that's out there. It's just been the quarterback position, which is why I haven't been able to buy in on this team. That said, I think my opinion could change if they decide to go from go with Lance from day one, because I think he brings enough of a different element for this team to be really scary. My plus three sixteen dog in tennis goes to a third set as Danielle uh, Danielle Collins cracks back on Jill Teichman. We'll follow that. We'll update all the baseball scores. Yeah, and there's more games that are in stoppage as the night continues. We'll do that next on VEASAN's Primetime Action. Since primetime action Tuesday night from the South Point, Gil Alexander, Matt Brown, Daniel Avari, Kelly Bidlin. Three games now in delay. Uh, Detroit, Baltimore never had a first pitch. They put the tarp on the field there in Baltimore before game time. Washington and the Mets uh, with the Nationals up three to one. They have gone to uh, the tarp in New York. And then the Dodgers and the Phillies, Scherzer and Nola, scoreless game in the fourth. They have gone to the tarp in Philadelphia. So, uh, I don't know, Pittsburgh unscathed thus far, Cardinals and the uh, Pirates. Uh, but uh, we got an eye on that as well. 
Boston appears to be uh, clear of all things. How about some updates on everything that is going on, including yeah, those two games? I believe that's a, a, a Salvador Perez two-run home run for the Royals now going to take a 2 nothing lead over the Yankees. So that game's going, uh, that just happened, and they're, they're in Kansas City. Um, yeah, some of the other games, Angels up on the Blue Jays, 6-3, to three, top of the 6th. Dodgers-Phillies in that rain delay. Cardinals up on the Pirates, 2-1, to one, top of the 6th. Cardinals minus 260 live. Pirates plus 210 and 7.5 is the total. The Indians now with a 3-1 lead over the A's. That is in the bottom of the third. Uh, Indians minus 260 live. A's plus 210 and 10.5 the total. Nationals-Mets still in that rain delay. Nationals up 3-1. to one. The Red Sox with a 4-1 lead over the Rays. Top of the fifth inning. Red Sox minus 700 live. Rays plus 475 and 9.5 and the total. The Reds, 2-0 two no, two, two over the Braves. A game in the bottom of the fourth. Reds minus 280 live. Braves plus 225 and 7.5 and is the total. Rockies, Astros scoreless bottom of the first. The White Sox and Twins scoreless bottom of the first as well. Three-run shot by Hunter Renfro in that Red Sox game to put the Red Sox up 4-1. to one. Uh, And now a uh, Ben Attendee double with two out in the bottom of the first for the Royals. So trying to add on to that 2 to nothing lead in the bottom of the first. Daniela, you ended up splitting your first inning bets? Right. So both of them had no runs, and one of them was a yes. So that Reds one was a loser. Okay. And you have four pending bets as well? Yes. Should we review those? Giants you run line? better than me, Gil. I do. Uh... I have Giants and Brewers both on the run line. And then I have the Rockies Astros yesterday in the first inning, which I'm sweating right now. And then the White Sox uh, also minus a half in the first five. I believe that game is still 0-0, but the Twins are making noise. They have some people on bases, so that makes me nervous. Yeah, Rockies Astros, which you have the uh, yes in, as you just mentioned. There is a runner on. Let's see, runner on first, but two down in the bottom of the first. So you need yeah. some noise right now. Mm-hmm. We were talking about uh, this Dodger team a little bit last hour. And uh, I guess one of the things I didn't see, because we were on the way to the studio, Gil, mm-hmm. is uh, Mookie Betts was a late scratch from the lineup. And it is uh, very probable, it says, very probable that he will hit the IL. Oh, So, um, again, just injury after injury after injury after injury after injury. Uh, for this for this Dodger team. So Mookie Betts looked like he could be heading to the I.L. A team that has been just, I mean, ravaged with injuries this year. And we, t- we talked about it with a Spore earlier this morning about their, their bullpen again. Famously, their extra inning record, the Dodgers, 1-12 this year, including 11 losses in a row in extra innings, 14 straight frames in which they've given up at least one run. And, you know, the strategy for the postseason, like they did last year on their way to the World Series title, is to put some of those starters in reliever roles, most prominently Urias, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, Duffy, who they just got, is is destined for the bullpen as well. But, you know, the caveat is you can't continue to have a spate of injuries because if you do, all of your best laid out plans, you know, have to be tossed out. So uh, that's on the pitching side. But here now they take a, a hit. As if, you know, Seager didn't miss enough games and Bellinger can't stay healthy. Um, they've had a mess of pitchers on and off the aisle and now it's Mookie Betts. So. Yeah, with, I mean, like we mentioned, Dustin May goes down for the season. They thought that they were going to get some help from Tony Gonsolin when he was able to finally come back from the IL. He only made a few starts before he goes back on the IL. Apparently he's not even throwing at all since, he's, since he went on the IL. So just a, like you mentioned, just a ton of different things going on with this team that, 
Not to say they can't overcome. Right now, the Trey we're Turner. We're just saying we're getting plus money on yeah. a different team. The Trey Turner signing looks that much better right now, right? Like if you could ever replace a Mookie Betts at the top yeah. of your lineup. Oh, how about Trey Turner? Yeah, <laughs> it's, just it's a nice un- problem to have. Just unfair. Yeah. Just unfair. I'm so sweating this tennis match, by the way. Are you, yeah, I know we didn't get to mention this on air, but uh, yeah, Dennis Schroeder <laughs> didn't accept that offer for the Celtics. Dennis Schroeder turning down $84 million. $84 million from the Lakers takes a $5.9 million mid-level exception on a one-year hey, deal with the Celtics. It's called betting on yourself, Kelly. That's what that's called. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you win, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes you lose. Oh, man. That's brutal. Bad advice. And Bad advice. Dennis, maybe don't maybe don't post uh, skateboard videos of yourself uh, on Instagram. Teams probably don't like that much. Probably not. Thing is, I like his game too. Celtics get him on the one-year exception. We'll come back. Uh, we mentioned Mookie Betts is hurt. You know who was coming back from injury though? Fernando Tatis Jr. At some point, we'll look at NL MVP odds next on Vsin's Primetime Action. College Football Betting Guide is here. Start your football season on the right foot with our expert analysis and picks for conference champions, Heisman hopefuls, and playoff teams, plus power ratings for every team. Now is also a great time to get your all-access VEASAN subscription, which includes our college and pro football betting guides, along with everything else we offer for the entire football season. Get your college betting guide for only $19.99 or start your free all-access trial today at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Gil. So the uh, the Padres, Fernando Tatis Jr., has uh, had injuries, uh, it seems like, throughout the season. It's, hap- it's, it's flared up multiple times with his shoulder. And uh, it looked like he might have to have, finally, season-ending injury. But that is not the case, apparently. Fernando Tatis Jr. will be returning to the Padres here shortly. Uh, and they're going to move him from shortstop to a mixture of center and right field. The theory being it'll be less wear and tear on the shoulder. He will probably have to have surgery. Not probably, but definitely after the season. But we're, they're hoping in San Diego that it can last that long. So uh, there was a moment we thought he'd be done for the year. He's going to be back. And so we get to the NL MVP odds. Right. Supposedly a matter of days, but who knows with this kind of situation, obviously. Uh, So he is still the favorite here at Even Money. Uh, Bryce Harper plus 275, Max Muncy on there at plus 450, Trey Turner 8 to 1, Freddie Freeman at 12 to 1, and Nick Castellanos at 45 to 1. Can I just say I'm surprised to see Bryce Harper where he's sitting on this board, but he's had a heck of an August in eight games. He batted 367 with a 1.39 OPS and four homers. Oh, and by the way, his team, the Phillies, haven't lost in August yet. Haven't lost in August. Uh, and what a move from Bryce Harper in this market, for sure. What was he, like a week ago, what was he? I, I don't even know, but li- two nights ago, Gil, he was plus 450. So, yeah. I mean, it's that, that's how quickly it's moving. Matt made a great point about this. A lot of, lot of East Coast money, maybe on Bryce, too. Yeah, good point. Yeah. But there needs to be a second-place choice here, right, when we don't really know what's going on with Tatis Jr., how long he's going to be out, and he's already missed games. So has he missed too much? Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't, like, I don't really know where the bet is here, to be honest with you. 
Like, even money on Tatis Jr. is not something I'm compelled to bet, nor is the plus 275 on Bryce Harper. I wouldn't have bet Bryce at any point. Like, I'm not, I wasn't racing to bet Bryce. Like, I, okay, interesting move, but I don't know how. I don't know how justified it is down to plus 275. Well, Gil, you have some long shots on some Dodgers, right, from the no, start of the season? No, I have once. Yeah, well, I have Corey Seager, yeah, but, you know, he barely played baseball. I mean, I have I'm surprised Juan, these are the Dodgers we're seeing on the board at this point. Well, Trey Turner, because he wasn't playing for them. And, right. yeah, Max Muncy, of all the Dodgers, the fact that he'd be the short shot, it's a great point. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. but Corey I, Seager, Cody Bellinger, like, Mookie where are Betts, they? he's the short shot. Yeah. They were just hurt too much this year. Yeah. Just, just hurt but too I much. But I bet you, yeah, I bet you wouldn't have expected to see this at this point in the season. Oh, no doubt. Bryce Harper, July 6th, 50 to 1. 50 to 1 on July 6th. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to get home, but 50 to 1 on July 6th. Freddie Freeman's an interesting one at 12 to 1 because, remember, he had a late run last year that got him the MVP. So, could that lightning strike twice? You know, as likely as anything, especially if the Braves win the division, too. That can't hurt. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm looking... if they make a huge run, we're talking about the Dodgers team that we were literally saying, oh, you should bet the Giants. But anyway, if the, if, if the Dodgers happen to make this like huge run and end up winning, not only winning the division, Gil, but like, let's say they just they just beat up on the Giants the rest of the way, the Giants fall, and they end up winning the division by you know five or six games or something like that. I mean, you look at Trey Turner, who is, as we sit right now, you know, hitting in the 320s, has 22 stolen bases, he's got 18 homers, He's got seven, 18 doubles to go along with that. He scored nearly 70 runs. He would be a big part of that run towards this, you know, division or something. If we're trying to kind of make something into something here, I don't know, eight to one. It's so weird though, because right, like Trey Turner wasn't like on, on a team that has Juan Soto. You could argue he wasn't the best player on the Nationals. Mm-hmm. And certainly on the Dodgers, you could argue he's, like, not even close to the best player on that team were it not for all the injuries. So it would be one of the most odd MVP winners that I could ever remember, just, just from that standpoint. Like, if you're, not, if you're not the best player on your team, how'd you end up MVP? Yeah, Muncy, I mean, you look at him, it's like, he's 450, but he's hitting 275, which is fine, but it's yeah. 50th. <laughs> You know, in in uh, it's 50th. He's got 22 home runs, which is tied for 28th. You know, it's like so nothing is stands. You know, nothing is like super standoutish about his about his line. Yeah, if I mean, uh, I will give you the Trey Turner. If Trey Turner goes nuts the rest of the way, and the Dodgers do what you say they will, probably as good a choice as that. Because I mean, he, again, he's hitting. At least he's hitting in the 320s, which puts him in the upper you yeah. know, upper three percent of the league. And he's got 22 stolen bases, which also puts him in the upper. 3% of the league. So he at least does a couple of things elite where like you look at Muncie who's shorter odds. And it's like, I mean, 275 is a good season. And, and in this day and age, batting average, batting average is so low hitting 275 is great, but it's still, I mean, it's, you know, it's 50th in the league, the, there's, 22 home runs. You're, you're, you're tied for 28th, right? Like you're not doing there, anything. There's still enough runway over a quarter of the season remaining that any of these guys, <clears throat> and by the way, some guys that are not on this screen if they go ballistic from here on out, they could still get it. And I don't think you have to be, like the Tatis Jr. thing proves it in this market. I don't think you have to be on a winning team at this point. Winning maybe, but I don't think you have to be on a playoff team. You don't think that's going to, I know you talk about recency bias a lot. You don't think that's going to factor in for anybody? Well, I mean, look, the Padres may very well miss the postseason. They'll probably sneak it as a second wild card. 
But is is that really the difference between him being Tatis Jr. being MVP or not? I don't know that it is at this point. Yeah, and just looking up like what Bryce Harper's done recently, it's like okay, he's been, he's been playing well, but like I feel like that's as much has to do with the Phillies playing so well over the past mm-hmm. you know couple weeks as it is him. I don't know. It's not, it's not a market that I'm racing to bet. It, Let's put it that way. You're, like, I think you're right, Gil. Like, there, there's probably some value on a lot of different people, but it's like you, when you don't know what the deal is with Tatis, mm-hmm. it's really, I guess it, it's pretty hard to bet. There's some guys who are not pictured here, right, that are super long odds at this point. I almost think just from a sheer betting standpoint. Mr. Posey, 101 for you? Nah, he's not going to win. <laughs> but, like, you know, and Brandon Crawford, there's not a – by the way, that's interesting, right? The best team in baseball, none of those guys are winning the MVP. None of those guys are sniffing. Mm-hmm. And, and I was making the point earlier, like, these awards, it, narrative is so important because there, there isn't a world where Fernando Tatis Jr. is even money and Brandon Crawford's not even listed, right? one. What is he? 70. Oh, so he is finally listed. There was a long period where he wasn't even listed. That just shows you a lot of this is just, huh, what's the narrative we like talking about? Not to say that he deserves it over Tatis Jr., but they shouldn't be that big of a gap for a team that's, again, the best record in all of baseball, one that's floundering right now. I think we all agree, not a market we love. I don't. I would, I would not put any money into this market. No. Yes. Okay. No. Maybe, uh, Brandon Crawford, 70 to 1. 70 to 1. <laughs> there you yeah. go. Uh, let's shift to the NFL. Maybe we can find something we like there. Receptions and receiving yards. Danielle brings us that next on VEASAN's Primetime Action. for the DraftKings Sportsbook now and get a deposit bonus up to $1,000. Simply download the app and use promo code VSIN, that's V-S-I-N, to get started with the only top-rated sportsbook that matters, DraftKings. You can bet on it. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, please call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full terms and conditions. Go. Thank you, Danielle. Uh, Pete Futak will join us top of the hour to talk Big 12 football and a little Heisman odds. Uh, we've got some thoughts on that. At least Pete does. So we look forward to that. Uh, but in the meantime, Danielle, uh, we didn't love the uh, NL MVP so much, but maybe you found something in football we do. Yeah, I know that Matt likes to talk about uh, football quite a bit. So I'd like to bring you guys some NFL props here. We have odds to lead the NFL in receptions. So Devontae Adams here at plus 550 on top of the board. He actually tied for second last season. He had 115 receptions, tied with DeAndre Hopkins, who is 6-1. to one. Stephon Diggs had the most with 127 receptions. He's 6-1 to one as well. Travis Kelsey on there at plus 850. Last season, 105 receptions for him in just 15 games, keep in mind. Keenan Allen, 12-1. to one. Calvin Ridley, 12-1. to one. Allen had 100 or so last year. Yeah, 100. Calvin Ridley had 90. Darren Waller, 16 to 1. Cooper Cup on there also at 16 to 1. A little bit of injury issues last year for him. Tyree Kill, 18 to 1. Justin Jefferson, Robert Woods, Amari Cooper, all 20 to 1. Allen Robinson, the second, 22 to 1. And Michael Thomas coming back from the ashes, perhaps at 25 to 1. That don't, do not bet him. Do not bet that. 
Juju, do not bet him. Juju had 97 catches last year. I was putting together some of those stats. I was blown away by that. Too. I was like, that happened? I was, really? looking, I was looking up and down the reception stats, and I'm like, okay, yeah, Allen Robinson, sure, yeah, uh-huh. What? Juju <laughs> had 97? There, there are the reception leaders from last year. Steph Diggs just blowing everybody away just in terms of pure catches. Mm-hmm. Darren Waller, top, uh, at least from a reception standpoint, tight end, just uh, edging Travis Kelsey. I, I guess the question would be, What's the reason not to bet Diggs again? Is there is there a reason not to do that? I feel like you just took the words out of my mouth. Yeah. Like that that's kind of how I feel and he's not he wasn't the short he's not even the short shot on this board. Like that it kind of surprised me. He's the main go-to guy for a pass-heavy offense. Right? Though, though I do understand why Devonte is right there if not shorter. I do get it. But yeah, if you look at projection systems Devonta Adams more times than not slightly edges out Steph Diggs, but again slightly edges him out. So and it is five fifty to it, plus. Yeah, right? so it really it's just kind of comes down to what your personal kind of opinion is. I, I think for me, I would probably, I would probably lean to Calvin Ridley at twelve to one. Um, is where I'm. Just the number based off these numbers that are on you know the screen right now, and how you know if someone's like, hey, you need to make a bet on yeah. one of these, like where you would go. I mean, so Julio Jones out of town. He is an alpha receiver as it is anyway on a team that we figure to be just good enough on offense to maybe put up some good numbers, but bad enough on defense to where they're probably going to be trailing in a lot of games and probably going to be throwing all over the place. Uh, Matt Ryan, as we said, we don't think he's completely washed. We think he's still probably got something left in the tank there, so it's not a quarterback issue. I don't think there either, and I'm getting double the odds that I'm getting on all of these other guys on, again, a, a receiver where we're talking about skill set is is pretty close to them in an offense where he's definitely going to be the alpha there. I mean, I, I think I would my bet would be the twelve to one on, on Calvin Ridley. I'm I'm not saying I'm surprised because I think that I think that makes a lot of sense. But I I did I did build this hoping to bait Matt into saying Cooper Cup eighteen to one after him ta- talking about him yesterday. <laughs> Baiting him <laughs> to try to bait him into saying it, but no, he's not not biting. Well, if you look, I mean, so pretty much every respected projection system out there, you can look football outsiders, pro football focus, ESPN. You can look at some of the like super respected fantasy sites out there that, like I said, I mean, you know, if you were listening to the show yesterday, you can tell like some of these fantasy guys know as much more than ever anybody else when it comes to these projection systems and stuff. And, no doubt. And, you know, Calvin Ridley is pretty consistently kind of like third or fourth as far as receptions in in their in these projection systems and really and truly only you know a handful behind like Adams and Hopkins and Diggs and stuff like that and so again you're getting double so we're just talking about the odds here right I mean you're getting double what you're getting on those guys and he's literally four or five catches in these projection systems behind those guys you know four or five catches something like that which can sway obviously massively depending on one team strategy and how things go because I mean that's another thing right I mean does, does Green Bay have things locked up towards the end of the season? Devontae Adams doesn't play or same thing with the Bills? I mean, that's like a very real possibility as well, right? I mean, we're in a 17-game season where the Bills might be the number one overall seed for all we know. And so uh, the, there's stuff to kind of take into consideration there, I think, as well. So The, the other thing that's tough with, with like almost any of the mm-hmm. re- receiving props 
it's especially to bend an over to, to, to get most of or anything like almost more so than any other offensive position. It's like, well, okay, that guy could get hurt. The quarterback could get hurt. A couple of the offensive linemen get hurt. Like it all matters to him, mm-hmm. you know, kind of even more than more so than if we were talking passing or rushing stats, because there's so many more people involved, but yeah, it's a, I think it's an interesting market though. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking on here, we can definitely point to ones where I think you, don't bet, right? Like, you don't bet Amari Cooper too many mouths to feed for the Cowboys yeah. team right there. You don't bet Michael Thomas. He's guaranteed to miss time. Like, that's like there's no way in the world he is going to lead in, in receptions for sure. Um, I got a question. Alan Robinson, who has, uh, you know, what is it, in, in college – uh, he was at Penn State. He had, what he had uh, was it Hackenberg? Was that, was that his quarterback there? I was going to go with McGloin. Yeah, McGloin. Both of those guys in college. Oh, Hackenberg. Yeah. yeah. And then he had uh, the pro level. You know, he's had Trubisky. He's had Bortles when he was in Jacksonville. This is now he does start with Dalton, which is still an upgrade, by the way, for Allen Robinson. But what I'm saying is his career has been riddled with just not good quarterbacks. I feel like we talked about that at least three times a week yeah. last year during the season. So and he's still <laughs> and he's still clearing a hundred receptions with those guys, is my point. Is there some notion that Justin Fields, if Justin Fields in fact takes the field week four, like we project against the Lions, mm. maybe Allen Robinson's a sneaky twenty two to one? I think he would be the second bet for me, if I had to make another bet, oh, okay. like it would be, it'd be Ridley first at 12. And I think Robinson would probably be the second. Cause again, so we're just kind of going by, we're going, kind of going by range of outcomes here. Right. Which are, which are these projection systems all have him in the top six or seven ish guys, six, seven, eight guys. Right. Well, that could skew one way or the other with all of these guys. And if he comes out on the, you know, complete outlier good end on, on, on him. And again, he is the unquestioned alpha. The number two right now looks to be Darnell Mooney right now for, for, for the bears. And so it's kind of like, yeah, he's going to get his, but he's not going to like steal targets or anything like that away from Allen Robinson. Like Allen Robinson's probably going to average 11, 12 targets a game over the course of this season with, with the way that this offense should probably run. So, yeah, he'd be my second play on there. But I, I think a lot of these you could just kind of start to to check off, right? I mean, I, I don't think you're playing Waller or Robert Woods or, you know, as much as I love Justin Jefferson, I, I mean, there's you still have Adam Thielen there. And while I think Justin Jefferson has definitely taken over as the number one guy, like Adam Thielen's going to get his, you know, like he's going to get plenty well so Matt how much does this correlate with receiving yards because you can also bet that odds to lead the NFL in receiving yards Calvin Ridley is the short shot there a plus 750 Justin Jefferson plus 850 Stefan Diggs also plus 850 I believe Diggs led, led this last season uh, with 1535 yards uh, but Devontae Adams and Calvin Ridley both 1374 yards from them Tyreek Hill's on here as well at nine to one Devontae Adams also nine to one DeAndre Hopkins 10 to 1 and DK Metcalf on there at 12 to 1. Thoughts? Order order last year. Order last year was Diggs, Kelsey, Hopkins, Jefferson and Ridley and Adams tied for 5th. Isn't that interesting that that Ridley jumps to the favorite when it comes to the to the yardage as opposed to That's really the, pleased with his pick. Yeah. No, it's just <laughs> no, it's just interesting that like they the, when you're we're talking about kind of like, you know, big play type receiver right. and things right. like right. that. Right. Deeper like, threat options, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, like big play type receiver when it comes to stuff like that. I mean, yeah, I like Ridley, but he's the favorite. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think the outside shot there is probably A.J. Brown at 15-1, to 1, another guy that, like, is going to rack up. My guess is he has multiple 200-yard games this year. And when, when he catches them, they're for yeah. a lot of yards. Yeah, like, I, I bet he has multiple 200-yard games this year, and, and 
he he can he can certainly be that type of guy to lead the league in in yardage for sure. Um, Tyreek Hill's another one, obviously that is is always two hundred yard game away. You know, I mean, it's like it's like one fingertip drop or catch <laughs> from him is like a two hundred yard game with with, with Tyreek Hill. So. Um, Can I go down the list of somebody else here? Mm-hmm. Terry McLaurin, nineteen to one. Ooh. Terry McLaurin, who finished uh, with over eleven hundred yards receiving last year, which was good enough for thirteenth most in the NFL, and of course had a smattering of of quarterbacks in late career Alex Smith, who wasn't throwing the ball downfield. Uh, and, uh, you know, some Kyle Allen in there as well. Now he'll have Ryan Fitzpatrick, supposedly a number two in Curtis Samuel. Finally, he didn't have that. He's got a viable tight end in Logan Thomas. What about Terry McLaurin? I think the odds are not commiserate with what I would want in him. You want a little more than that. Yeah, like his – so where his projections lie, he like – again – Yes, there's there's you know range of outcomes here or something like that. But even if he's on kind of like the ceiling of his outcome, it still is is a decent bit behind a lot of these guys, you know. And so, I'd want I'd need the twenty five ish, thirty ish, something like that to feel comfortable with with McLaurin. I mean, again, I, I just plus that. The division also plays into that a little bit for me too, because I think Washington will be leading in a lot of games. Like I think that they're, you know, I think that this team is probably the class of that division still as we sit right now. So I like them. I like them here. I do. Um, interesting markets, Daniel. Very interesting. All those courtesy of DraftKings. AJ Brown for me though. If I yeah. had to make a bet on that screen at fifteen. We did uh, for the upcoming uh, Veasan Pro Football Betting Guide. We have to do our uh, picks for each division. And uh, wild cards, in addition to, uh, you know, conference and uh, Super Bowl. My biggest surprise, I have the Falcons as a wild card. Because I think of all those teams like bubbling under, they've got the veteran quarterback. They could still get it done. I told them, um, oh, I didn't get asked. Never mind. I'm not in it. I'm not in it. Sorry. No worries. Sorry. Don't worry about it. We'll come back. Pete Futak on the Big 12 Heisman Trophy. We'll update all the baseball scores. And I lost my plus 316 dog in 10. Three setter. Tough one. Brutal. We'll come back. It's VEASAN's primetime action. 